So uh, this is uh, from First Corinthians, verse uh, chapter thirteen, uh, the whole chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is Father, I thank you for your word this morning and pray that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to receive what you would have to show us, to speak to us, to encourage us with, to challenge us with this morning. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, finally, we got to chapter 13. <laughs> The chapter of uh, the First Corinthians, this beautiful passage on love, and as we have walked through First Corinthians, for those who are just joining us, we've been walking through this 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 letter of Paul to the Corinthians, and uh, we've we've gone through some challenging stuff, some pretty hairy stuff along the way, and so maybe in in reading this this chapter thirteen today, you, you feel kind of it's refreshing for you, like oh thank goodness we're we're here, you know this is. Uh, it has a. It seems to have a sort of a different tone to it, and it's 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 beautiful and poetic. But because it's so poetic and 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 ready-made wedding material, um, uh, I'll actually be at a wedding later today. Um, it so happens, uh, as often read at weddings. But because of all of that, it, it is easy to forget that this doesn't stand alone from the rest of the letter. Paul's not. Sitting there one day going, okay, we've done the first 12 chapters, we've covered this, that, and the other, and now chapter 13, hmm, I need something really inspiring, and really, really encouraging for chapter 13. I know, we'll talk about love. That's not what's going on here. Uh, it's part of the letter that he's writing. There's no chapters, no verses. He's just writing a letter, and at this point in the letter, he's writing about a particular topic. He's talking about gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit in this part. And in that setting, for that purpose, he writes these words we've just read. Um, so what actually is the key idea that's being put forth 
in this chapter. Uh, it's not um, love is the best gift. Like there's all this other stuff we've talking, talked about, the way the Holy Spirit's work, the gifts, spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, but really, love's the best one, so really just focus on that. It's actually that the message is not love versus gifts uh, set, aside, set against, but love as the only context for gifts. Uh, love as the way to go about everything else that he's been talking about, if that makes sense. And so when he talks about the way of edifying the church, building one another up with the ways that God works through us, this is the way of love. That's in the next chapter. The way of, in chapter 12, the previous one, seeking the common good through these gifts of the Spirit. That's the way of love. And so this is not... Um, an argument uh, in this chapter to sort of set aside all the rest because love is the, quote, better way or better option, even though the, the English translation can seem to read a little that way. Because remember, this chapter is bookended by two imperatives. Imperatives meaning, like, do this, strong commands, do this. And those imperatives are pursue the gifts of the Spirit, pursue the best Gifts, pursue the ones which edify and build up others up. And so th this is the context of this chapter. Um, there's one writer on this, on this chapter that says, even worse than, than reading and applying this chapter out of context, like just some abstract reading on love applied here, there, or everywhere, even worse than that is the reading of it in context, which sees it as set, a, set over and against spiritual gifts. Paul would wince, he says. So it's, it's easy to, to do that, to take it and use it as an excuse to set everything else aside, but it's, it's not. It's about setting up the way to approach everything else we've read about and studied. Um, remember the context of the Corinthian church. Um, uh, Gordon Fee says, in short, they have a spirituality that has religious trappings, like asceticism and knowledge and gifts of tongues and these spiritual things, but have abandoned rather totally genuine Christian ethics with its supremacy of love, unquote. When Jesus proclaimed the, the good news, uh, the gospel, um, and our, our series for this, this book is called um, um, Gospel People, people who are shaped and defined by the good, the good news that Jesus brought. Um, when Jesus proclaimed it, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, they thought that meant a certain spirituality has reached them and it's, it's uh, outworked and it's shown through these spiritual things like speaking in tongues and having this special wisdom and knowledge and these, these ways, that they, things they're experienced. But these, they're quite mistaken because these things, as otherworldly as they seem, like they're supernatural, this is kind of, this is eternal things uh, made known now, these are actually not eternal things. These are actually temporary things. Given these special ways the Spirit of God works are temporary things given to aid us whilst the kingdom of God is here but not yet fully here. Does that make sense? Like the good news is the kingdom of God has come near, but it's, there's still something to happen. God's kingdom is not fully established and it will be fully and finally established one day. But in the meantime, we're still waiting, even though it's good news that it's here to some extent. It's started. 
And, and this is what uh, love is. What the kingdom really is, is what its king displayed for us. What the kingdom really is, is what the, the king of this kingdom, Jesus, showed us. He laid down his life for others. Uh, one writer says this, Love is primary for Paul because it has already been given concrete expression in the coming of Jesus Christ to die for the sins of the world. And so when we talk about love, we're talking about something Paul understood very uh, specifically as Jesus coming, the king of the kingdom, showing us the way of that kingdom in laying his life down for us. This is what love is. Right? We on the same page so far? This is what love is. He laid down his life for us. Before we, we look at the th- three sections of the, the chapter today, because there's three distinct sections in this chapter 13, um, uh, the, the chapter's not just, as I said, about love, as just in, in general, but it's about love as the way to use the gift. So if you need a refresher on where we've been the last couple of weeks or you, haven't, uh, you went around and, and haven't read that recently, chapter 12 in particular, um, it talks about um, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts. What, what are these? What's, what's this about? Well, Paul says they are manifestations of the Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit works and reveals and manifests himself in people's lives. They are many. They are different. There's all sorts of, of gifts um, that through believers in different ways. They're more than natural talents, although sometimes they are quite natural in a sense. Um, but here in particular in these chapters, he, Paul is talking uh, more specifically about that which is more supernatural. So he talks of this, the, like a gift of healing as we pray for others and God heals supernaturally. He talks about prophecy, hearing and delivering messages from God. And there's words of wisdom and knowledge in there as well. And, and he talks about miracles and he talks about speaking in an unknown language, uh, speaking in tongues used for different purposes. And, and these are not abilities that and this is a really important point for us to just park in our, in our minds as we move forward. These are not abilities that get turned on like a switch when we become a Christian. Like, oh, well, there's certain things. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and now it's, I, I have this gift. These are things which we are urged to uh, pursue or desire or seek after or to ask the Holy Spirit for. And so as we read 1 Corinthians and reflect on 1 Corinthians 13, let's not assume, oh, well, I don't have those gifts, because if you know Jesus and, and, and have the Holy Spirit, what he wants for you and I is to pursue these and to have and to, to use these and to ask God to manifest the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to, to seek after this. And this is the context of, of what the, the passage is addressing. So that in mind, there's three chapters uh, in this section. There's the first, uh, the, which basically talk about the necessity of love, the character of love, and the permanence of love, all to the end that they eagerly desire the things of the Spirit for the sake of the common good, the building up of each other, the edifying of the church. 
The first section, the necessity of love. So this is um, verses 1 to 3, that, that bit you may remember, which says, if I, have, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm like a clanging cymbal. Like it's, it's all pointless. Um, how might we apply this kind of thing to us? One way is to think of um, what it is that you do ordinarily, right? Um, what are the gifts, the talents that you have? How do you operate in your day-to-day life or maybe in particular uh, a particular way you serve or, or minister? Um, and then put ourselves in that way into the sentence. For example, if I preach with the brilliance of Charles Spurgeon or Billy Graham but have not love, right, then I'm just like a clanging symbol and a resounding gong. Like there's, there's, no, there's no point. Um, if, if I care for the poor uh, with, the, with the impact of Mother Teresa, but have not love, right? Paul says a similar thing in verse 2, I think. Uh, if I stay faithful to my spouse, but have not love, what, what is the, what, what's the point? If I keep my kids off drugs, but have not love, if I, whatever it might be, but have not love. I'm a clanging symbol, a gong just going off Maybe, the, maybe rather than asking then, well, okay, love, love's the best way. So how should I best love? What should I do? How might I love others? Maybe a better question to ask is um, to, to look at everything you already do, the talents you have, the gifts you have, the, the roles you play, the abilities, and instead ask, how do I do these things in love? Does that make sense? Rather than start... What is it that you do? What is the way you operate? How do I do these things in the way of love so they are used by God for a purpose they're not, and they're not pointless? Um, everything, and, and another way to say that is everything in, in my life tailored consistently towards this goal of my life and my preferences and my desires and my wishes laid down for the sake of others. This is what love is. Jesus laid his life down for us. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends from the book of John. Um, This section of Corinthians is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so you might like to think about that area as well. How might you approach the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts God's given or giving or wants to give you in the way of Love, laying down your life, your um, desires, your preferences for the sake of others. For some, it might be, you know what, God um, works through you in this particular way, and it might be exercising restraint in that area so that you're careful that it's always uh, towards the end of love and building others up and serving someone else. It might be, for others, to actually let the Holy Spirit work. And some of us actually are sometimes at risk, I very much include myself in this, of caging the Holy Spirit in. And I need to let the Holy Spirit out of the cage of my heart and my mind. Because my comfort and some fear and some, some being scared or too proud causes me to, to, uh, to, to cage the Holy Spirit in. I want to encourage you, there is... There are things that God is ready to do or say through you that, is, that will bless someone's socks off and might just be 
an incredible act of love through you. And, and yet, if we're too proud or scared or comfortable or theologically correct, then we, we box him in. We say, no, that, oh, God wouldn't work that way through me. And we miss the opportunity to let the spirit of love work and speak through us. Um, remembering that the Holy Spirit is the foretaste that we have of this kingdom of God, this kingdom of love that Jesus said it's the good news, this kingdom of here. The Holy Spirit is the foretaste of that kingdom for us. And so we need to ask, are we willing to risk to allow him to work? Um, it's, a, a, it's such an important thing to ask. This is the necessity of love, living in the way of love in all things. The second part of this chapter is, is on the character of love. And this is that beautiful, that beautiful section of the chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is sometimes hard to find. No, no, it's not, not that. Uh, uh, right? But it sounds like, right, it's like roses are red, violets are blue kind of thing. Like love is patient. Love is kind. Um, and and it, it is really God-defined in a sense. It's, it's a description of God. In fact, there's songs that have been written replacing the word love with God. God is patient. God is kind. And, and that's true. It is a description of God. But I read this earlier this week by um, one author writing about this passage, and I thought it was an, an incredible point to make. So I'm just going to read this word for word. Uh, it is often pointed out that in this paragraph, Paul seems best to capture the life and ministry of Jesus. They're cool. So much so that one could substitute his name for the noun love and thereby describe love in a more personal way. After doing so, however, one does not want to miss Paul's point, which ultimately is description for the purpose of exhortation. What exhortation means is emphatically urging someone to do something. So what he's saying is Paul's writing to urge them in how to live, not just describing God. So perhaps that point could best be captured by putting one's own name in place of the noun love and not neglecting thereafter to find a proper place for repentance and forgiveness. What he's saying is, as we put our own name in the place of the noun love, the likelihood is that we, and I, I did this myself this week, and it's very true, we're likely to go, oh, wow, I, this is not me. <laughs> I fall short of this. And so up on the screen is the passage, that this, this paragraph, with gaps where the word love usually is. And I want you to take a moment to read through this in a minute, and put your name in there. And I have to warn you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you love Jesus, and you're keen to see Jesus more in your life, you become more like him. Chances are, as, as I did, you get halfway through this and go, oh God, I, I'm, this is not me, and I need your forgiveness, I need your grace, I need your help. Um, but that's a good thing. And we're going to pray in a second, uh, uh, that, that prayer of repentance and forgiveness. So take a moment. Put your name in those gaps and just read through this slowly.
I don't know about you, maybe it's, maybe it's just me, but for me this leads to a place of going, God, I need your, your forgiveness, your help. And so I just want to actually pray right in the middle of the sermon here that, that um, for God's forgiveness as we repent before him right now because we do fall short of this. Father, um, um, Lord, we know that we're a work in progress, but sometimes we forget that um, we, we forget that. We forget that we uh, are not yet like Jesus and we have so far, um, so far to come, so much work for you still to do in us um, because many of these descriptive words do not describe us. And so I pray that you would forgive us for where we have become proud, for where we have begun to think that we are loving um, and that, that we uh, are, are um, matching up to the standard Jesus set for us. Forgive us, Lord, and help us, Holy Spirit. Come and, and continue to shape our lives, even if it hurts, even if it uh, kills our pride. We want it to kill our pride, Lord. That you, Holy Spirit, would come and shape us to be people of love when we can't do that on our own. Come, Holy Spirit, and shape us to be more and more like Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, as, as we consider what um, living the way of love really takes, I know it's, it's, um, it's, I'm just reminded that it's easy to love, it's easy to live this way of love um, when you're in love or when, when the love you're giving is, is reciprocated. It, it comes back to you. Other people love you. You know, I'm going to be at a wedding later and weddings are, weddings are wonderful, weddings are beautiful and really cute and the bride and groom are standing up there and, and, and they say their vows to each other and it's, it's, it's lovely and they love one another. And I'm just reminded... Yeah, it's not really love, you know. It's, I mean, it is, obviously, they love one another, but it's like, it's so easy because you love me and I love you and we're, we're in that, that special place of loving one another. But when it's, it's hardest, when, and I would say it's most real, when I'm to give love and to love actively someone else when, when that's not being reciprocated. Um, just an example of that. I was talking uh, to a friend uh, about a week ago, and uh, his um, his dad has early onset Alzheimer's. Um, there's four boys in the family. He's got three brothers. He's the oldest, and he said there was a, they had a family gathering recently, and um, and their dad was getting because of the disease uh, was getting very very abusive and um, and and agitated and angry and. And because there's no filter. And of course, it's not him. He's a wonderful Christian man, but it's the disease coming out and there's no filter anymore. He's just saying this stuff, attacking the boys. And, and a couple of the, um, my friend's brothers, they just couldn't handle it. They're trying to be rational with him and they just had to leave. Um, it was just hurtful. And, and, and my friend said he and his youngest brother, they, they made a choice. They said, he said, we decided to affirm our dad and to just love him and affirm him and build him up and speak life into him and say, Dad, you're a, you're a great dad. You've, you've loved us so well. The way you've served God and the way you've loved your family, we, we honor you, we bless you. With As he is just being aggressive towards them, abusing him, saying, eh, you know, saying all this stuff. And, and my friend said that they began to see the, 
the atmosphere shift and, and they, they just settle down and they ramp up again and they keep affirming him, keep loving him, keep speaking words of love to him. And they just, just, just reduced until the point where their dad said, you know, he actually began to speak and say, actually, I'm just really scared. I'm, I'm just really petrified of this whole thing as the Alzheimer's develops really quickly now. And, and as he was sharing this with me, he, he re- referenced 1 Corinthians 13. He just said, we saw the power of love in that setting. Not love like dad loves us and he's saying all these great things to us and then we're, we're saying great things back to him, but like as we're being abused and, and, and attacked, we're returning back to him love and affirmation. That, I think, is a wonderful picture and a, bit, and, and a real picture of what love really is. Um, you know, as I put my name in this passage and consider whether that's me, it's most challenging when it comes to not the people who love me really well, my family, but the people who it's hardest to love, whether that be because differences or even deeper things, conflicts, real, real uh, uh, hurt that's been given. This is what's really challenging, but the gospel of, of love is that Christ died when we were still sinners. We cannot love this way except by the Spirit of Jesus in us. We need the Holy Spirit to be the one who produces this this in us because this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is what love really is. The last section, verses 13 to 18 is on the permanence of love. It talks about how love will last forever. And this is where it brings it back to that whole setting of this is, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and that being, this is the context. Um, so, so love is um, the ultimate way, not just because it will last forever, although it, it will. He says, you know, these, these things will remain faith, hope, and love, and the grace of these is love. But because, it's not just because it will last forever, but because it dictates now how to use the things that are given now, namely the spiritual gifts, which will not last forever. And love is actually very, it's rarely mentioned in this last section. Um, uh, the focus of this last section is really on the things that are just for the present. Um, and remember, there's this overemphasis on speaking in tongues as this thing they thought was a realization of supernatural spiritual reality, and they were mistaken because. Um, these things are like childhood in comparison to adulthood, if you remember that part of the section. Or it's like a mirror compared to the real thing. Or you, these days you might say a Zoom call compared to a meeting in person, right? These things are a taste of the kingdom, but the kingdom itself in its fullness is the kingdom of love, the way of love. The gospel, again, the good news is that the kingdom is here and it's still coming. It's not fully here. What do we take away with this and, and do with it? I want to give one suggestion again by quoting from one author um, on, on this section of the passage. The irony, of course, is that our present view in 21st century Christianity is almost the precise opposite of that of the Corinthians who thought of these things, the charismata, the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, as ex- Eternal and therefore needed to have that, they needed to have that view corrected. Our view is different. One wonders how Paul would have responded to present day cerebral Christianity, which has generally implied that we can get along quite well without the Spirit in the present age. 
now that the church has achieved its maturity in orthodoxy. Little hint of sarcasm there. It seems likely that he would not be pleased to see this text used to support such a view of things. The, the good thing is that the passage doesn't become irrelevant because actually our setting is almost, and, and our perspective is almost completely different from the Corinthians. Paul doesn't swing the pendulum and go say, well, throw all of that out the window. He's, he's basically he's saying, let your future shape your present. Let this eternal way of love shape how you use what's here now and the gifts of the Spirit, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if the Spirit of God, who is a foretaste of the future glory, that's what he is, is given now and manifests himself now in ways that are temporary but necessary for this reality, then we need to pursue him and what he gives toward the end of love. Um, and I want to leave us this morning with this, this invitation, and I, and I guess a challenge as well, that if the ultimate way of love is really, really is so far from how we live, which I think it is. I don't know. Maybe you put your, your name in the passage and go, yep, that's me. That's wonderful. Great, great for you. Um, please come be the pastor of this church because you do a better job than me. But if we are really so far from that reality, do we not need help? If we are not the embodiment of Jesus and his character completely and fully, do we not need assistance? Do we not need something or someone to help us? And what do we think that the Spirit of God manifesting himself, revealing himself, working in gifts through us are for? I think these things are to help us break out of our human-powered Christianity, our we-can-do-it-on-our-own mindset. And to, to go into a discipleship with, to Jesus that is empowered by the one who is love. The gifts of the Spirit are available to us because the way of the kingdom, the way of the king, the way of love is not yet fully present and we need to embrace him coming as a foretaste of the kingdom. And so um, I want to encourage us this morning to pursue gifts of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, because it means that means saying, you know what, God, when it comes to living this way of love, this way of the kingdom, this, this better way, this, perf- this way that you've called us to, that the, the, really the, the definition of what it means to follow Jesus, it means saying, I can't. I can't. On my own, God, I can't but you can through me, and so I need you. That's why I want us to encourage us to keep praying as a church, this most ancient prayer of the church, come Holy Spirit. Because when we pray, come Holy Spirit, what we're saying is, God, on our own, we're not enough. We don't have what it takes. I can't, we can't, but you can. And so I want to invite us to stand now as the team come up and lead us in worship and to pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, Form in us the character of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand? Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Speak through us in ways that make us even a little uncomfortable. As we lay our lives down and we lay our comfort down, as we lay our, our 
maybe even a bit of our theology down, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would minister to us and through us so that the way of love is formed more in us. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I want to, on behalf of all of us, say sorry for when we have uh, relied on um, on, on, on food and drink that is not your word and not just the Bible but on your yeah, you speaking to us Jesus said um, man does not live by bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God and God you've called us to an abundant life but to live that abundant life we need to listen to you because that, that is our food that is our drink That is what sustains us. That is what causes us to live as we're really meant to. So forgive us where we haven't listened to you. And even this morning, we might be distracted. But as we worship now, God, help us to just still our minds and our hearts that we may hear what you would have to say to us.